Amen. Well, the sermon of the title this morning is The Reformation of Church Leadership. The Reformation of Church Leadership. And here we have a, a series for us, which is really following on from what Reverend Norman Green preached to us uh, in August. And that wonderful service when we had two ruling elders, Agrippa and Aliuda, ordained, as well as uh, Adam ordained as a deacon. And we had a wonderful sermon. But really, it was, it was really an introduction. Norman preached from, if you remember, from Nehemiah chapter 7 and 8. And he brought out five things. The reformation of church leadership. He also preached on the reformation of church membership. The reformation of guardianship, that we're to guard the gates into the city. The reformation of stewardship and the reformation of worship. And there was so much there in what Norman preached. I thought we need to go back and we need to expand a little bit further for us. And um, so we began with an opening sermon last week, really just introducing the subject from the book of James. And if you remember, we're to be hearers of the word of God. We're to be receiving the word of God, but we're also to be doers of the word of God. And if we're not doers, then we deceive ourselves. So, but the first basis is to be hearing the word of God before we can be a doer. But today we're going to be looking at this sermon um, of the Reformation of Church Leadership. And I've got four different readings. I'm not going to read them all at once. I'm going to read them for each heading that we get to. And we've got three headings for us. The questions are this, who leads the church? That's a good question, isn't it? Who leads the church? Secondly, what kind of men lead the church? What kind of men lead the church? And thirdly, how do they lead the church? So let's take a look at the first heading, and I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 20. You can either follow in your Bibles or you can hear. And this is taken from words that Paul the Apostle spoke to the elders in Ephesus. And he never saw these elders face to face again, certainly not as a collective body. And in Acts chapter 20, Paul had preached there for many years, and now he's gathering the elders. In Acts 20, verse 17, and we're going to see who leads the church, and the answer is given in what Paul tells the church. So let's hear the word of God, Acts 20 and verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink back or shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. 
but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I, I know after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. What a blessed passage for us, isn't it? It's a passage, if you're in the ministry like myself, or, or if you're an elder, you return time and time again back to this passage and you, you see things that maybe you've not seen before or you see them afresh again. What does the apostle do? The question is, who leads the church? Well, it's not the apostles because the apostle's about to leave. And so therefore, if there isn't an apostle, then what's going to happen? Well, we find what he does in Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus Ephesus and called for who? Who did he call for? He called for those who lead the church. Who leads the church? It says he called the elders of the church to come to him. So who leads the church? Well, the elders, notice it's plural. You'll never find uh, the word elder really. I know, you know, Peter talks about himself being the elder or John. But as a body, it's, it's, it's elders plural. Elders need to be plural to represent the government of Christ. This is not a one-man show. Elders are needed, and it's not easy. We have to pray for God to raise up elders to form the government of the church. And some of you probably know what the Greek word is for elder. 
You can remember this one. It's presbuteros. From which we get the word Presbyterian. So if a church is to be biblical, a church is to be Presbyterian. Now, I'm not talking about being Presbyterian in terms of all that you might think, what is Presbyterian or not, but a church, to be a true church, needs to be governed by elders. Presbuteros. The church is not governed by an individual bishop. Never been, if you go to America and even around uh, Sheffield, I, I was in to get my card in yesterday and I met this fella. And uh, there were two men who were both professing to be Christians. And, and one said to me, uh, he said, I said, What church do you go to? And he said, He went to a church called Winner's Chapel. I said, Well, I can guess what kind of church that will be. I said, What, what happens if you're a loser? And do you go to that church? I said, It must be a prosperity church. He said, Yes, we are Pentecostal but we all worship the one true God. But sometimes when you go to America, you get these Pentecostal churches and you have the bishop by the side of the interstate and often his wife is there. The church is not led by a single individual. Um, It's not a lone pastor with deacons around him that kind of half elders and half deacons. The church is to be led by elders, plural. And they're also to be local. And we praise God for our current session here. But I'm not really preaching about our session. I'm just saying here, Paul called for the elders because they lived in the Ephesus region. They didn't fly in. Well, they couldn't have flown then, of course, obviously. But they didn't get the ship from, you know, uh, different parts of the Roman Empire. They were, they were local within the, certainly the region, uh, these elders. There's a man, I'm not sure if he's even alive today, but he was a, a pastor, he used to have pastor's conferences. And he spoke about the importance about pastoring, that shepherds and all elders are shepherds, shepherding together, that we need to be able to get our hands into the wool of the sheep. Isn't that a wonderful expression? To get your hands into the wool of the sheep, to get to know the sheep, and that the shepherd lays down his life for the, for the sheep. And elders, we saw later on in verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves, Paul preaches to the elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves. So he's not saying that elders are supermen who never commit sins. They are to be blameless, but they're they're to pay careful attention to themselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit... Notice, who raises up elders? It's not yourself, It's the Holy Spirit who raises up these men, the Holy Spirit who raises them up, and then makes them overseers to care for the church of God. What's an overseer? Well, you've got to be able to see something to be able to oversee it. You've got to be able to inspect it in a loving way. And sheep need to know that they need to be overseen. Sheep shouldn't be kind of kind of keep a, a distance. Uh, I don't want to get too close to the elders in case they ask me how I'm doing spiritually or whatever. Uh, that shouldn't be the case. And we see here that, that the elders are to oversee the church of God. The church of God. Sometimes over the years you get people saying, I go to Kevin's church. If I ever hear that, I actually correct people. And you need, I tell them, you don't go to Kevin's church, I don't have a church. The church, if it is a church, 
is the church of God. Amen? Amen. It's purchased by the blood of Jesus. It never belongs to a human person. It would be right probably to say that this person is the pastor and the minister in that church, but it's never the individual's church. That's an important distinction for us. The church of God. And notice at the end, uh, Paul kneels down and prays with them all. But before he does, he gives a warning. And this is my last point for us. Who leads the church? Elders together lead the church. Not elders individually, but elders together. They lead the church. But he gives a warning, a very solemn warning. Did you notice that? You remember what the warning was? In verse 29, he warns and he says this, I know that after my departure, when the apostle goes, he says, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He gives a warning that we are to contend for the faith because men will come in from among your own selves, he says. So they're not coming in from Mars. They're going to come in and that's where we're going to get to this third heading at some stage, the reformation of guardianship. That we're going to have to learn better. And now we've got three local elders and Kevin McGrain and Norman Green, God helping us to exercise good diligence over the church. Because the devil's always going to try and bring people in who will come in for an agenda. Because Paul says here, they will come from among your own selves. He's saying from among those elders. There are some of you, Paul may not have known who they were, but he's warning them that from among your own selves, men will arise speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Then he says to the elders, be alert. So we need to be alert for that warning and when we get to the reformation of church membership, we as elders need to be alert. We need to have our eyes wide open. But also, as members, we need to be alert. Because Paul gives us a prophecy that we may wish it wasn't in the Bible. Because the world says, and they lived happily ever after forever. Have you ever heard stories like that? When your mum and dad put you to bed as a boy. <laughs> and they all live happily ever after. But that's not reality, is it? Paul doesn't say, and they all lived happily ever after. He says, from among you elders, some of you are going to rise up. You're going to exercise dominion to draw people away. And he said, those people, they're not even believers. They're not wolves either. They are fierce wolves. So who leads the church? Elders do. Shall we move to the second heading? Well, what kind of men lead the church? Well, not fierce wolves. You know, Little Red Riding Hood. We know that story, don't we? Oh, Grandma, what big ears you've got. Oh, Grandma, what big teeth you've got. No, we don't need those kind of people leading the church. So let's take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. And as I read this, I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, to chapter 3, verse 7. When I began preparing this, I thought, well, you know, we'll make a start. And now as I'm preaching, I'm feeling that there's so much material for us here that I'm not even scratching the surface hardly. But we'll make a start on the reformation of church leadership. Because if we don't get leadership right, everything will go wrong. Anybody here a football fan? You know, 
it all really depends on getting the right manager, doesn't it? Get the wrong manager, and they're going to be losing every week. And so, you know, you've got to get the leadership right. Now, it's not about getting some premiership, you know, pastor in. You know, I know, we'll, we'll get this well-known pastor from, from Japan to come over, and that will solve our problems. No, they're elders in the local church. But if we don't have a reformation of church leadership, then the church is going to be dashed on the rocks. So our second heading, what kind of men lead the church? Now, this might... Do you know that phrase, sometimes things stroke the fur on the cat the wrong way? Anybody had cats? We used to have two cats in our family. We came back from holiday and there were... Melody and Rivka heard this little noise in the garden. It was... So what's that? And they went foraging in the garden. And while we'd been away on holiday, someone had thrown these two little kittens over the wall. So uh, our children brought these little bundles of love to us. So that's okay. We'll find a home for them. So I went to look at all the neighbors and said, someone's lost their kittens. Please tell me who they are. No one owned up to them. So anyway, before you know, they're in the shed. Mel and Rivka were feeding them and stroking them in the shed. And... Uh, Anyway, cut a long story short, by Thursday afternoon they moved into our house and lived there for many years afterwards. Um, but uh, I don't know why I told you that story about the cat and kittens yet, yeah, but all I learned was about cats. And they're very relaxing cats. Apparently, stroking a cat lowers your blood pressure, Lewis. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm told that's what I've been told that. But you stroke the fur on the cat the wrong way. Suddenly their eyes are going to wake up, aren't they? Now, this might stroke the fur on the cat the wrong way, but it is the Bible that women are not permitted to lead the church. Women are not permitted to lead the church. All women here, you need to know that you are loved as much by God as any man. And our Heavenly Father knows best. And we'll explain from 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. Paul writes to the church there, actually in Ephesus, Timothy's in Ephesus, he says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, rather she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And remember, there were no chapters and verses there. Paul carries on writing, saying, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, remember who are overseers? Elders are overseers. To the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church. What kind of men then are to lead the church? Now you may say, well hang on a minute, 
this, this Bible you're reading, that, that, that's, that's trapped in a different age. Don't you realize, Pastor? We're living in 2023. This is the day of women's liberation. Women are just as intelligent as men. Don't tell me that women are not as intelligent. Well, I agree women can be just as intelligent as men, can be more intelligent. The issue isn't about intelligence. It's not about culture. Paul says this. He says, he goes back to creation, for Adam was formed first and then Eve. So he goes before culture ever existed. We have to follow the maker's instructions. And that, therefore, will go against the contemporary currents. And many churches today, including Reformed churches, they think they know better than God. And they say, well, we know better than God, and we believe women need to be in leadership just as men. But Paul says this. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. So in a congregation of mixed adults, women are never allowed to preach to us. Now you say, well, pastor, don't you realize, I know women, they're better preachers than our own pastor. That might be true. You may have a pastor who can't preach. But that's not our standard. The plumb line is the written word of God. And we have to follow this. And we notice the kind of men, they need to be above reproach. Blameless, not perfect, but blameless. They need to be respectable. You, you know, you ask yourself, if someone's going to be an elder, they need to look respectable. Um, I'm not saying everyone has to wear a tie like me the whole time, but you certainly wouldn't be respecting me. I think, well, I wouldn't respect someone if they were in a, in a, in, in a pulpit wearing shorts. You know, I've, I've been in services. I've been around like you have. I was in a service ooh, 15 years ago, and the man came to the, wasn't even a pulpit actually. I mean, I wouldn't respect a man if he was trying to preach using a music stand, would you? I mean, a music stand is not for preaching. It's for putting musical notes on. A sermon's to be preached from a pulpit. And this man came forward. He had no shoes on. It was probably July, August. He came barefooted. He came down the front, no tie or anything like that. He, he looked very relaxed. And he had a, he, he was, a, it was, it must have been three, four hundred people. And guess what he had in his hand? He was armed with what? A Bible, you're saying? No, he was armed with a Kellogg's cornflake box. And he spoke to us like children for the next 20 minutes. That's not who's to be leading the church. We have the most dignified thing in this world to bring a man needs to be able to teach to be an elder he needs to be hospitable he needs to be able to manage his own household well and the children need to be submissive and there are two kinds of of elders we find in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17 if you turn there what kind of men are to lead the church 1 Timothy 5 17 Paul writes to the same church in Ephesus and said let the Guess what it says? Let the elders, not an elder, let the elders who rule well. Oh, that's, that's an interesting one. Don't think you're going to rule over me. Ever heard people say that? They may not say that, but they, their attitude is, 
They don't allow elders to rule over them. Can somebody be a Christian if they don't allow godly qualified elders to rule over them? The answer is they can't be. Let the elders rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So you have some elders who rule, both ministers and ruling elders both rule together, but some elders are gifted by the Lord to teach the word of God and doctrine. Let me say this, that kind of job, it has to be full-time. Uh, you, you, you know, you, might, you know, I don't really associate with anybody actually but I have done over the years and they think the pastor well, he, only, he only works one day a week you know what's he doing for the other, other six days I, I tell you something to stand here and to labour week after week after week month after month after month year after year it takes dedication it takes commitment it takes a preparing to lay aside your own career and all the benefits that might go with that career for the sake of feeding the flock of God. What kind of sermon would he get if I was a full-time bus driver and I came in here on a Sunday morning having just finished a shift at 10 o'clock? It would be difficult, wouldn't it? It would be difficult. So what kind of men? Well, you're teaching and ruling elders. We need to pray for God to give us both. Because without elders, we're not going to have a true church. Thirdly and lastly, how do they lead the church then? We've looked at briefly this morning. The first thing we looked at was who leads the church? Elders lead the church. Secondly, what kind of men lead the church? And thirdly, how do they lead the church? And we'll finish off with 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 to 3. I remember years ago I was doing a PhD and you know some man ran me up from Sheffield he said to me Kevin you're wasting your time with this PhD. I said really? He said yeah. He said because um, you, you think you want to be a pastor. He said God doesn't have the office of pastor anymore the only office available today is an evangelist. I said isn't that funny? Who am I going to believe? Him or the word of God? Him or the word of God? And um, so how do they lead the church? To Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Notice in verse 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. As we close this morning, how do elders lead the church? They commit themselves to the word of God being preached and for people to be doers of the word of God in season 
and out of season. Why do we have two services on the Lord's Day? It's because the Bible says we're to honour the Christian Sabbath. We don't have the Bible's our guide, not principle. You know, if we wanted in Hilltop Chapel, we could pack this building out. I'm sure we could. We'd get a bunch of musicians down the front. We'd have a bit of heavy metal maybe one week. A bit of classical music the week after so people can choose different kinds of service that they like. We'd then get uh, one or two of you to do some, some high quality dramas that would be very contemporary and funny. You'd be laughing away. And people would think this is wonderful. Some family members of mine went to a baptism of someone's child in a, in a church, a Lincoln church a few years ago. They said to me, Kevin, it was wonderful. I said, why? He said, you know, the vicar, it was really saying, he's not like other vicars we've met before. He was telling fantastic jokes all the way through. Preach the word in season and out of season. It's a sobering task to feed the flock of God, to care for blood-bought sheep. And it may seem a bit ordinary what elders need to be involved in doing, but ordinary tasks produces extraordinary fruit that will go into eternity and if we ever abandon what the word of God says because you know one of the buzzwords at the moment is the word lead Do you know that word lead and some churches they introduce that they say this woman she's the lead whatever Sunday school teacher or whatever in other words what they do they introduce worldly terms which are gender neutral so that men and women can become part of the leadership team. Or they think, well, okay, we've heard what this man said about the Bible. Well, that's okay. We'll, we'll then do away with the word elder and we'll get men and women into the church and leading the church. Well, the fact is, we can't bend the rules. We, there's no such thing as women deacons either. Women can be involved in diaconal work just like men can, but then not to be given the title and function of leading the church as deacons. And that liberates the church to be free for us as men and women, for men to be the best men they can be for the glory of God, for women to be the best woman that you can be for the glory of God, and for God to be glorified. And as I close this morning, over the years, I've faced all the battles that you have faced and will face. And what I've realized over the years we served overseas on the mission field and the missions group we were with, they decided if, if we're going to stay relevant, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Relevant. We need to get women involved in all the leadership of this missions organization. And I actually stood against it. And I was not Mr. Popular. And I worked, they didn't agree with me. And they outvoted me and everything. And what I realized was this. The issue with matters like this, and not just regarding men and women, but regarding other matters, that men who are going to be elders need to fulfill the biblical qualifications, is the issue is, are we going to obey God, or are we going to obey men? And as these people came against me because I wouldn't give way, and it's not because I'm a Yorkshireman, and you know what, I believe we, we, men need to be leading church. It's not about that. It's not about being macho. 
It's not about being a, a male chauvinist pig. Have you ever heard that phrase? You don't hear it much now. You know, it's not about being a male chauvinist. It's about the truth of God. And what I realized was, when people said, no, the women can lead just as much as the men, what they were doing was, they were putting aside the Bible, and instead, they were seeking to lead the church by their own human wisdom. And it never pleases God. And at the end of the day, we want to please God. Otherwise, we're not following Christ. We've lost him somewhere. I hope that's been of help. That's the first sermon on a biblical reformation of church leadership. And next week, uh, Roland Barnes will be preaching, but the week after we'll look at a biblical reformation of church membership. Shall I pray for us? This is life and death, these truths, believe me. Heavenly Father... Help us to walk in truth. Would you help us to do the right thing, even though it may not be popular? Help us to do it with love, O oh Lord. Help us not to be arrogant and cocky, but loving. Please expose all wolves. Drive them out of your church and raise up true shepherds, we pray. Raise up more elders in this church. Raise up elders in Lincoln. Raise up more elders in Berries and Tedmans, raise up more elders in Berlin. We cry out to you, Lord, but we look expectantly to you as well. In the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen.